Welcome to the Aaron Novello Podcast. Are you looking to master the art of real estate sales? Do you want to level up your business and lifestyle? You are in the right place. Aaron and his guests share winning real estate sales strategies and techniques and show you how to win the inner game that leads to financial freedom. Get ready. Here is your host, top producing real estate agent and coach to some of the top agents in the U.S. and internationally, Aaron Novello. Welcome back, Novello Nation, to another episode of the Aaron Novello Podcast. I have with us a superstar, rock star, awesome human being uh, who I've known for an extended period of time. We kind of came up in the game together. Uh, my good friend, Mr. Jeffrey Silver. I appreciate you taking the time to be here with us, brother. Thanks for having me, Aaron. Appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure, man. And Jeff comes to us, 263 closed transactions last year. I'm sure this year is even crazier. Did $2.8 million in GCI to the team. And I always like to bring people to the platform, Jeff, that I really believe can add tremendous value, you know, to the audience of agents out there. And you've done something that's exceptional. It's really rare. It's what I would refer to as a unicorn in our game is that you've created a seventh level business, right? So you've went from being a technician, meaning the guy who's actually on the phone, beating up the phones. We used to be in role play groups together and accountability groups kind of doing that whole thing to now owning a system and owning a business that does that, right? So what I'd like to kind of ask you and and get from you uh, for the benefit of those that are listening is that journey, right? So so if you could share with us like a little bit about how you came to the real estate business and then kind of what it was like being a technician at first. Um, So I got in the real estate business back in 2002. Um, right out of college, I jumped into life insurance and financial services. And in that industry, every day you had to be in the office and you had to pound the phones from like 9.30 to 11. It was like the golden time. And I worked for, you know, a couple like senior partners, setting appointments for them, I'd go out on appointments with them and learn the business. And uh, just after being in the business for a few years, just realizing like you had to go out and sell products that were more advantageous to you and was going to put more money in your pocket than not necessarily doing the right job for the consumer. And I really didn't like that. And not only that, it was a lot of business to business sales. So when you made these phone calls, you had to get through with the gatekeepers, which was always challenging. And you were also going after like high net worth individuals who were probably double my age at the time. Um, and I just, I just didn't love it. I didn't have a passion for it. And I remember I just I got to the point where I just was like sick and tired of being sick and tired. Like literally, I was like, I'm, I'm, I've had enough. I wasn't making the money I wanted to make. I wasn't having the, the life I wanted to have. I wasn't hitting all of those things. So <clears throat> I remember I kind of, that I was really always good at like, you know, being the son of a builder. I kind of grew up around houses and construction and knowing knowing things and i always would work on my own houses and i was like went out one day and i picked up a book and it was like buy fix sell i was like well maybe i'll start like flipping houses and stuff and in that process i i remember sitting down one day and was like all right like here's what here's what i'm good at here's what i know how to do so here's the options i either become a real estate agent i sell mortgages or i go into construction and build houses. And I was like, all right, well, I thought to myself, God, all I remember growing up as a kid is having my dad yell at subs and being frustrated with all that. 
I felt like mortgages was going to put me back into that product-driven business, which I just came out of. And I was like, you know, real estate sounded like it was good. My mom at one point sold real estate. My grandfather was a developer. Um, so I went out and I was like signed up for the classes. And I actually understood the classes, got it, and just felt like the right fit. So I jumped in head first, April 1st of 2002. You know, I had a mortgage. I was married. I had car payments. And my wife had a small income. So my, my, I was lit to the fire, man. I really was. And it was like, you got to go out and make money and you got to go out and do this. And I went and worked for a, a broker who I had a personal relationship with and he took me under my, his wing. And I was just, he's like, you want to do this right or you want to do it wrong? I said, I want to do it right. And it just dove right in. And it was like, immediately I started marketing myself to people I knew, created a database, bought Top Producer, the old school disc program. The first day I got in the business, invested 400 bucks to buy it. And I just was motivated. I was highly motivated to to get out there. And what I liked about it is when I used to tell people that I was in like life insurance and financial services, you say you're like at a dinner or you're out somewhere, you meet someone, you're like, yeah, and they, they would go like this, <laughs> like turn away. And then when you told people you're in real estate, they're like, oh, really? Tell me more about that. You know, and I got in at a time which was kind of similar to the market we're at today. Probably this is probably crazier than them, but it was same thing: multiple offers, over asking price deals, low inventory. I just got in, and I, you know, in that first, you know, uh, eight months in business, I sold like eighteen homes, and I was making money, and I was like, "Cool, this is this is for me." Um, and then it just it just grew from there, and I just had a I just had a, a real passion for it. And I remember the biggest frustration I had in the big the beginning was is like I could find the clients and I could do the, the I could do the business and make the sales. I just didn't know how to like get through all the you know the ins and outs to get to closing. And that was probably the biggest frustration that I had. Um, about a year and a half into the business, I asked my my wife to quit her job and she came and she started working with me and she was really like my first assistant. And then. Then after she was with me for a while, and we hired somebody, and it just kind of just kind of grew from there. Yeah, that's awesome, bro. Because our trajectory is similar. I, my wife was you know, kind of that first assistant as well. So I'm taking notes as you're speaking. It's interesting because, you know, in the financial services world, whoever you were with, they essentially taught you like the process of selling, meaning like yeah. you got to be on the phone, you got to set appointments, you got to pre-qualify those appointments, you got to go on a presentation, and that you got to handle objections and close. Yeah. That was very, it sounds like that was very formidable, like helpful to you because once you understand sure. that process, then you could just apply it to real estate. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you learned how to prospect, present and close. I mean, it was yeah. that simple. And I imagine that, that that created like a super competitive advantage for you in the sense that like most people who get into this game have no direct sales background and don't really understand that this is a sales business, no different than selling financial services, no different than selling roofs, no different than selling books door to door. Like it's, and as such, it must follow the same sales process. So I'm wondering how like helpful do you think that was for you? So that way, when you got into real estate, you like did 18 deals, like right out of the gate. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think I'm, I was definitely a born salesperson. I mean, I was selling chewing gum and candy, like in school. And, you know, like I was always finding ways to make money um, just because that's just how I did things. And it definitely, but that was, that gave me more of the formal training that I needed to actually sit with somebody. And when you're sitting in front of, you know, a, someone whose net worth is five, 10, $20 million and they're double your age, 
you know, you, you learn how to be a little bit more professional <laughs> than just, you know, the kids selling candy in high school or grade school, excuse me. Um, so that was a, definitely a big advantage, but you get into real estate and you're just, you're, you're, you're dealing with the average Joe, the average mom and pop. And it was just a, a lot easier for me because, you know, first of all, I remember getting in the business and one of the reasons I had success, and I was telling stories from one of my last week was you would call somebody back. Like if it was like a realtor.com lead or, or floor time in the office or whatever it was. And I can't even tell you I, I, how many times people would say, thank you for getting back to me. I've called several agents and, and nobody responded. Like, that's not like that today, but back then that's what it was. And, and that's how I got so much business. Cause I just would call them, follow up, be a professional, ask them to sit down for an, you know, to have a consultation and I would just roll with it. And it yeah. was great. That's awesome. So like the two things, it sounds like that, that experience helped you with was not only the sales process, um, but also being like super professional. And then yeah, when it went sure. to, when you went from that environment, dealing with high net worth individuals, the kind of mom and pops, it was, it was just more comfortable for you. You're like, Oh, I'm not intimidated for by sure. this at all. Correct. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. So then you hit the ground running. You got up to like 18 deals that first calendar year. You started to get overwhelmed. It sounds like with the um, kind of income servicing piece, you're very good at producing the income, but then it was like, oh man, like how do you get this to actual closing? And that's normal. Cause you know, my experiences as I'm sure yours has been is that success is a series of well-managed breakdowns. So you hit this like thing, you broke down and it's like, oh shit, I need to figure something out. And then you pulled in some help. Now I'm curious, once you pulled in help, what did that do production wise for you? Um, it's definitely so my first full year in business so the, the next calendar year so that'd be 2003 i did like 43 deals and i think it wasn't till um i think i did that year all by myself and then my broker gave me some like conveyancing help in the office and my wife jumped in and then i think i got i'm trying to remember when i got in coaching so it was like 2004 or something like that but bringing in that my mindset was and that's the same reason i built a team and why I have the team today was my mindset was do the things that you're best at and do the high income producing activities, which was being in front of people making sales and dish out all the other stuff to someone else that can, you know, so I can leverage my time better. Um, so I'm trying to think. And I think the, the, I think my wife came in, I think it was like a year and a half, two years in the business. I can't remember if it was 2003, 2004, but then we slumped and then we went from like 43 to like 65. And then we were in that like 60 to 80 range for a couple of years. And then yep. my daughter was, my daughter was born in 2006. And then we had, I guess prior to that, we had another hire. Um, but yeah, I mean, start leveraging yourself, leveraging myself and bringing in people to handle the day-to-day stuff um, allowed me to do more business, but it also, it also gave me a little bit more free time. Like I remember, I think it was 2000 and it was either three or four. Um, I was going, my wife and I were going on my good friend's father's 50th birthday cruise, like through the, you know, the um, Caribbean. Yeah. And in the first two weeks of January, I did 10 deals before I got on that cruise ship. <laughs> and I remember just like, I literally was like doing everything. I, so yeah, it was just, that was when it was just me still. I mean, I'm like making brochures because we make brochures for listings, but I'm like doing my farming. I'm like negotiating deals and I was going crazy. So besides the fact that it allowed me to do more business, it gave me back some time. And I think that's when I started to realize over time was the real estate business is a great business and it's, it gives you the lifestyle that you want. 
the downside is, is that you're really never off, right? We're, we're, we're constantly connected. And even at, even where I'm at now, my business today, even though I don't really do much, I do, I do selective production these days, for people I know and so forth. But you always have to, like, my clients are now my agents versus, you know, my consumers. So you're kind of always involved. You always have to be involved with the finances and things like that. But I don't run around with a chicken like my head cut off anymore, you know, slinging property. Yeah, yeah, because in a way, it's interesting. You bring up an interesting point because like traditional success in our game is uh, working 70, 80 hours a week. I mean, that's what it is. That's what we did. Yeah. Yeah. And um, what I'm also aware of is that like, uh, you know, that will have ramifications in other areas because you're just not around. Like you don't have enough time to formulate relationships. You don't have a time to like work on your body. You don't have a time to like work on the inside game sort of thing. So, you know, having that leverage is so important. And what's interesting is that um, you did it quickly and that allowed you to grow really fast, very quickly. So like, what would your, what would your suggestion be to somebody who doesn't have like a significant other that they can pull in and be like, Hey babe, like, why don't you come work with me? Or, Hey, you know, husband, why don't you come work with me? First of all, how quickly should they do it? And second of all, like, what would your suggestion be around it? So I find, I see so many veteran agents in this business, agents that have, or agents that are new to the business or have been a couple of years, everybody wants to control everything. They don't want to give up anything. They feel like, wow, like, well, I need to handle everything because I'm giving the best service to my client. It's bullshit. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so it is, and it's not like my best service to my clients would be is each person of my team is going to handle what their best at, what their specialty is. And, you know, that's the challenge. So I never really had a problem giving up. I never really had a problem. Um, I feel like I could find somebody, I'd teach them. I would be, I'd have faith that they were going to get the job done. I'm not going to micromanage them, although I probably did that a little bit at the beginning. As long as they got the job done and they did it and everybody was happy, I'm cool. If they don't, whenever they want to come into work, whatever their hours are, I don't make people punch clocks. It was like, we have a job, get the job done, period. But it starts with the, the agent or the team leader where you have to be willing to, you have to be willing to give up control and trust, trust the people that you've hired to be part of your organization to help you move forward. If you don't do that, if you want to micromanage everything and you want to be in control and you feel like you have that mindset, well, can't be, the only way it's going to get done is if I do it right and I do it myself. It's never, you're never going to get there. So it's, it's, it's all about surrounding yourself with, people that are like-minded that and want to that have the same goals and aspirations and at the end of the day they they want to get the consumer the deal or whatever to the finish line with the least amount of aggravation and try to keep the customer happy i mean look it doesn't mean you're not gonna go through growing pains and times where it's not like that but it's it's really just it's the mindset that you have to be willing to delegate give up and give up and know that it's going to be fine yeah. And which one of those two do you think gets in the way of most? Is it, do you think it's resources for people like the actual hiring somebody and having to pay, pay somebody? Or is it what you're talking about? The mindset? I think it's, switch? I think it's controlled because if you want to find somebody, you will. Yeah. hundred percent. It's just, it's, it's a limit. It's a limiting belief. hundred percent. So it's so funny. Cause I remember I was doing a, uh, I was doing a talk and there's like maybe 250 agents in the room and everything I was saying, there was one person in the crowd. She kept raising her hand. Like, wait a minute, you don't do this. I'm like, no, nope. like, you don't do this. No, like you have a transaction coordinator. Like, yeah, like you have somebody else who is puts a listening. I'm like, yeah. So finally, after she's doing it so much, I was like, Hey, can you stand up for a second? She's like, yeah. And I'm like, you know, um, I'm aware that clearly something that I'm saying is bothering you, 
Like it's going against the kind of mental map or a belief system that you have. So what I'd like to do is ask you a few questions. So that way, uh, you know, maybe it could be helpful or useful to you in some way. And maybe the people in the room can benefit. She's like, okay. So I said, help me. And I want you to know my, my, my question I'm about to ask you, it's not ego-based. I'm genuinely interested in your answer. How many deals do you do? And she was like, yeah, I do like 50. I'm like, well, that's, that's great business. Congratulations. Good for you. And I'm imagining based on the questions that you're asking me, almost all of it is past client centers of influence. She's like, uh-huh. I'm also imagining based on what you described to me that you're doing everything. In other words, like you're mothering the deals, like you're hovering over all of them. She's like, uh-huh. And I was like, you know, what I want you to understand is that no matter how many of these things you come to, unless you change that mental map in your brain, you'll never do a hundred ever. It just won't happen. It doesn't matter how many rah-rahs you go to. It doesn't matter like how many books you read. It's always the psychology of the owner that keeps the business back. And that's just a mental map that you need to change if you wish to do more. If you don't want to do more, then just stay at the 50 and hover over all the deals. And that's essentially what you're saying, correct? Right. Yep. And that comes at every single level in business. (laughs) It does. It doesn't go away. It doesn't go away. It's a constant, okay, let me look at this again. Okay. You know, it's a constant um, like delegate. We were talking about this like prior to starting, like it's a constant like delegating and elevating, delegating out yeah. of things that aren't my highest and best use or something that I'm like great at and that I love doing. So that way I can continue to keep elevating into the things that I'm, right. you know, best at. Yeah. I mean, I was, I've been, I was stuck for like a very long time. I mean, I was stuck at good numbers, like, you know, <laughs> stuck in that two to 250 range for like, you know, seven, eight years, um, <laughs> which is a great place to be stuck at. But the reason I was stuck, it was me, right? It was the belief that in order for us to grow, in order for us to do more, that it was all going to fall back on me versus the belief that in order to do that, I just have to find people the right people that are willing to step in and maybe have that energy that I no longer have or not have in that area and have them jump in and let them run with it, you know? And, um, I think that's the, it was just for you probably. I mean, I'm having conversation before I'm like, oh, I don't want to do that because it's, oh, that means I got to go do this. And I already don't have enough time. It is, it is. And I kind of like having the weekends off or whatever the case may be. And it was just like, it was just a story I was telling myself. Right. That's it. It's always the psychology of its owner. And that's interesting because I'm listening to a book right now uh, by Bob Iger, who was the, uh, he's the CEO of Disney for like 15 years. But prior to that, there was another CEO who was like a huge personality um, and was one of the most celebrated CEOs. And they had this very interesting relationship with one another where he was saying like, sometimes he would like encourage him and the other times he'd leave him in the dark. But because it's like, he had to go through his own head the CEO that was going to eventually allow him to be CEO or recommend him to, to hand it off. Mm -hmm. And it's just that same thing where it's like, I got to like be okay with this where I can delegate so I can elevate into something else. Right. Yeah. So that, so that's awesome. So you did that, you overcame that. And then you, you started to do more deals, 70, 80. I'm aware, like, you know, when we were like role-playing and doing all that stuff together, you were doing like a hundred ish, like on a regular basis, Mm -hmm. 120, 130, 140. And then you changed. I mean, you really did. You changed your psychology. So talk to us about like what caused you to do that? Because what you're doing, what you were doing, it didn't suck. Like you were doing a lot of deals. You were making a lot of money, but it's like, what caused you to be like, you know what? Like I need to evolve. I need to do something different. Um, I think I just got like fed up again. It's like every time there's a, a shift in 
my life or the way I do things. It's you get sick and tired of being sick and tired, right? Sick and tired of whatever the case may be. And I think at that point, I just, man, I even remember going back to like, you probably remember these conversations pretty well back in like 2009, like after 2008 happened, we were all like, Oh, and then I remember like in the spring of 2009, like we were all like, what's going to happen. What's going to happen. What's going to happen. Right. And I remember having conversations all the time, like, Oh my God, like, where's this going? Where's this going? And then, you know, that was just a fear piece that you had to like, let go of. And then like nine, 10 and 11 were by far the hardest years in real estate that I've ever experienced. However, they presented like a huge opportunity. <laughs> so <clears throat> I just took advantage. And that's when we used to you know, work on all those prospecting scripts for expired listings. And we used to crush it and kill it. And then what happened in 2012, they all went away. <laughs> you know, you shifted into, you know, your probates and stuff like that. And I just was like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> like, I don't know what to do. Like, this is how I live. This was my livelihood. And like, I remember in the summer of 2012, like I'd come home from the beach and I'd sit in my home office and prospect from like seven to nine o'clock at night trying to find business. And I couldn't find any, you know? And then 2013 came, the market started picking up again and I was cranking. And I just realized like, I kind of started to, I guess back in like 2010, 11, we were going through all of that. I realized like, that you don't really have to kill it and grind it to be successful. It's just kind of like working smarter than working harder. And then 2013, like those three years of doing it, working my tail off to produce, allowed 2013 to be an incredible year for me. And it was kind of like, I tried to just kind of get out of my own way a little bit and just let things evolve. And that was like an incredible year for me. Um, but then it just got, you know, I, I felt for like many years, I just became hostage to my business. It was great. Like I'm making all this money and I have a second home and, you know, like have the things I want taking vacations. But it was like, I couldn't really get away. I just felt chained and I hated that feeling. I'm like, what's the point of doing all this if I can't take a you know ski trip and check out for a while and, and do my thing? So I just got to the point of frustration where it was like, I don't, I don't want to live like this anymore. Um, but then, and then as I've been shifting for quite some time, um, going through that, it's, it's, so it's like, it's like trying to find that balance of, of being a top producer or having the income that you want, but also having a life. And, you know, I remember one of my coaches said, like, schedule your life and then work around it. And, you know, my kids, my kids were starting to get older and wasn't home a lot. And I just, it just wasn't, it just wasn't what I wanted. You know, so it's, it just became inside like an internal, like saying like, this is great, but this isn't like, I love, I like the bit, I love my business. I love what I do. Sometimes I don't, <laughs> you know, um, but it's like, it wasn't all about work and money. It wasn't ch that chasing the, the dollar and the house and the toys wasn't enough, you know? So it was more about like trying to be at, at peace with, what I've created for my life and for myself. <clears throat> and that's been, that's been a struggle. It's been a struggle. It's just because why it's a struggle. And I'm not, I really put my finger on this probably in the last six months is, is the, it's like the guilt. It's the, it's like the guilt of, Oh my God, how we were trained for so long was in order for you to make money, you got to grind it and you got to pound the phones every day. You got to do this every day. 
you gotta like make sacrifices and that's the only way you're gonna make money and it's so interesting (laughs) because what i'm writing down here it's so good it's like well first of all if you guys are listening like listen very closely it's usually pain that moves you into action it's not like moving towards pleasure. I mean, some people are motivated in that way, but sometimes the pain gets so great where it's like, ah, oh, man, like I don't, this isn't enjoyable for me that it causes you to kind of break through some mental barrier that's causing you to not, you know, ultimately get what you want. The second thing I wrote down is that like, when you go through these natural progressions from survival, number one, cause that's how you described it to me. Look, I had like a, a wife, we had a kid, like I had this, like it was just survival, right? But once I move past survival, then it becomes about dollars and toys. But once you get all that, then it's like, all right, well, then what it's about, right? And the other thing that comes up for me is this idea of like identity, which is where like, if we have this identity that like, okay, I am a grinder and that's how I, you know, get like strokes or accolades or because people like, oh man, like he works his ass off. Like he works so much, right? Uh, It's just changing that identity in your mind. Right. And saying like, okay, well, that's not necessarily true. Like I just made that up. That's a story. There are people who do really well and they don't, you know, they're not working. They're not prospecting at seven or eight o'clock at night. They're not knocking on doors on a Saturday. Like they're just not right. So um, you just kind of shifting that. And it sounds like you've done that. I mean, you have, you're still working through it. But yeah, it's, it still come, yeah. It still, it still comes up like, cause you're like, here I am, you know, um, sometimes I'm, you feel like you're, I'm not, um, contributing as much as some of my team members are, yeah. you know, but then people will remind me, like, I've also earned the right, <laughs> you know, Yeah. but it, it's, and, but when you're in, ingrained in that from such a long, from, you know, all my, my father was a super hard worker. My grandfather was a super hard worker. My mom was a hard worker. It's just like, that's what I, how I was born and raised. It was like, if you want something in life, you know, you, you go out and you work for it, you know, like. You want to, you know, I wanted a boat when I was like in my early twenties. My dad's like, okay, you got to go fix, buy a boat and fix it up. And then you can have one. <laughs> you know, I wanted a Jeep when I was in high school. You want a Jeep? Okay, great. Go buy one and fix it up. And then you can have it. <laughs> like, yeah. so this just like, it's just, it's these, it's these, it's the programs and patterns that we've adopted from such a young age that you spend <laughs> your whole life trying to like get rid of, you know? Yeah. And well, that's, and become, it would, that's become very clear. <laughs> yeah. And what it makes me think about is like, um, I was on a gremlin timing call recently and I was, we were talking about like how there's like an event and then there's my response or my reaction to the event. But what most people don't realize is there's a middle piece. The middle piece is there's an event, but then there's my opinion or my judgment about what's happening. Then there's my response or my reaction. Mm-hmm. And that, that middle piece is so crucial Good because point. it's malleable. <clears throat> so I remember calling Rick one time. I was like, Rick, uh, this is nuts, man. Like, okay, there's an event, then there's your opinion or judgment about the event, and then there's like a response or reaction. So that means that most of our suffering or uncomfort or whatever is caused by our opinion or our judgment about what's happening, not what's actually happening. He's like, uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, man, that's crazy. True. So it's like just being able to like, you know, notice that as you continue to evolve and and grow. So right? true. Yeah. So, so and it's I'm also one... like, it's, it's, it's ours. And then it's society, it's societal standards, which is like, it's just how we're interpreting what comes from society or what our parents or any of that stuff goes. Yeah. And what's we have the ability to break away from it. A hundred percent. And it's, and, it, and I don't even know if it's like break away from it. Like, cause breaking sounds like in my head, it like, it makes me think like, right. 
Um, I think when, simply notice it. Yeah. What it, what, what we can do is we can notice that it's a story. It's just made True. up just like any other story that we tell, right? Like just a story. Yeah. And it doesn't mean it it's true, right? So like a lot of people, people used to imagine, I don't know, how, when Christopher Columbus was around before, you know, he rediscovered America because he didn't discover it. But, um, you know, people thought the world was flat. That was a story. That's the story that they told themselves, but it didn't make it true. Yeah. Right. It's just a story. It's true. It was funny because I was having this, you know, as I typically have in-depth conversations like this quite often, I was having this conversation about how, you know, like I'm trying, you know, you take taking ownership for the choices I've made in my life, right? Taking ownership for those things and looking at myself and how I've been showing up in the world. How have I showed up for my wife, my kids, my team, myself, right? And all that stuff. And um, you, you got to take ownership of that stuff, right? And then I was having this conversation with someone who says, yeah, you do, but you don't have to like own your story anymore. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, like, let go of your story. Like we feel like we have to hold on to it and like own it, you know, like yeah, you gotta take ownership by saying, but like, but like, like the, our story is what probably keeps us from moving forward because we're like, Oh, well, you know, like I can't do this. This is my story. I was, you know, I didn't get the love I wanted from when I was a kid. Therefore, I got to spend the rest of my life in that state, right? Yeah, and then you'll you'll it know that, be that way. it doesn't, and you'll know that you're in stuck in that when you like continue to like tell it, Correct. continuing to like tell that story. It's like I'm breathing life into it, and it's no different than the story of like, okay, uh, I'm a pros- I'm a grinder. It's just a story it's versus a story. like, oh well, like I could I could. There's actually this other way that I could do it, uh, and there's still work involved, just different work. And that's okay too, right? So um, it's just recognizing that and being open because I'm aware, like my tendency in the past, and I know you very well, your tendency in the past is we were not open. It was like this, bro, like blinders, like don't talk to me, like, nope, like this is the way it is. My story is the story no matter what, right? Um, And and that is, there's power in that, but it's also limiting, right? Because you miss out on opportunities. So for sure. you, if we kind of go back to this trajectory, so it's like you're doing deals, you're at 150, then then you had this like kind of internal, like, ah, this isn't really what I want. Like I'm, I have I have money, but I don't have that much time, right? So then, then what happened? Like, where did you go to gather the information that you needed in order to build this, this pipe that you built? Um, you know, a lot of coaching, a lot of training, a lot of seminars, a lot of mind masterminding. Um, and I think, you know, through Keller Williams, one of the things that I, I learned, um, you know, in switching from like, uh, into going to that coaching program for years and finding a couple people that mentor me and so forth. What I really learned was that as you build and you create, first of all, again, you find the right people that have the same passion, but like, if you don't create opportunity for others, then you're gonna lose them. So as you started building, as I started building this operation and, and brought my cousin in, my sister in, and, and I, if I didn't like, well, it became no longer about me and what I wanted, it became about like, okay, well, if I gotta now make sure that these guys are growing, these guys can get what they want in order for us to grow. And I remember, I remember being at like, um, a Gary Keller mastermind at one point and just having a conversation <laughs> and um, it was uh God, what's her name? 
went to like Mark Willis and said, okay, in order for how much money do you need to make in order for that person to make like a million dollars a year or something like that? Put it in a different perspective. So it's like, if I like, so if my, if I want team members of mine to make 250, $300,000 a year, what does that look like? You know, and it, it, that, whenever that, I can't remember exactly how the conversation went, but I was like, ah, that makes sense. And like, I, I have hired a new marketing and operations person recently, and I know she has aspirations to, to make more. So it's like, okay, like if you want to make X, what does that mean? Because if they're making, if I have a staff person or a team member making 250, 300, $400,000 a year, what does that mean for me? What does that mean for my organization? What does that mean for the owners of my organization? We're doing well. So, and that's becoming more clearer and clearer because you bring in, um, when you bring in new talent, like I have a, I have somebody with me for four years and she's like a rock star. I have to create opportunity for her. Right. So, cause I, I, I want these people to be part of my organization. That's the thing that I've realized over the years, what probably one of the passions that I love the most in my business. And it's probably the, the thing that has, has kept me is that, and I've had, I've had a, I've thought about this quite often. It's probably the one piece that really hooks me in is that this real estate business has changed my life. It's changed. It's all real estate has allowed change, the changing of lives. I've changed clients' lives. It changed my own life. I've changed my team members' life. I have literally made a major, major difference for hundreds and hundreds of people, thousands of people. Like, look at this, you and I. Great friends. Why? Real estate business. Yeah. I'm telling you, like some of my best friends, closest people in the world that I spend time with every weekend, I've met through the real estate business. Mortgage guys, real current real estate agents, clients, like all my circle, I've I've known through real estate, right? Which is wild. My ski groups through real estate. Like real estate has made a tremendous impact on my life and all the people in it. So it's it's pretty awesome how it has allowed us to to touch so many lives, you know, and I see that now as I, I, I bring people up and I see how they come with nothing and all of a sudden like they're on top of the world. Like my cousin is my business partner who's been with me. I've been in 19 years. He's probably been with me like 15 or 16. I had to beg him for two years to leave his like $60,000 a year job with benefits. Yeah. You know, now he's an owner in the company. He's making great money. He loves the business. He's passionate about it. He just bought a beach home. Like he drives nice cars. Like he lives in a neighborhood that he never thought he would live in in a million years. You know what I mean? And look, it didn't come. It's not all my doing. Like, you know, he worked, he works his tail off, but it was an opportunity that, you know, that I saw that I helped others create for themselves. And that's, that's pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome. Oh, for sure, man. That's legacy for sure. Like I, I think I heard Gary say recently that uh, what true leadership is, is teaching people how to think so they can do what they need to do when they need to do it so they can get what they want when they want it. And, and yeah. the legacy of a leader is how many other leaders you've created because you taught them how to think. And that's really true, right? So when you look at like your cousin, like you taught him how to think about, you know, this, and I'm sure it's spilled into other areas, right? Um, and the other right. people that 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 you uh, lead, and what is interesting, what I wrote down is that basically the focus had to shift from being like about you to being like, okay, how can I create opportunities for other people instead of hoarding all these resources to myself? How can I share them and create opportunities so that way other people uh, can benefit? Is that right? It's about keeping the ego in check. You know what I mean? 
and if you do that, like I, I feel, I find that I'm a pretty low ego, low ego kind of person. I mean, every once in a while it pops up. <sighs> That's you know? right. Yeah. But you know, that keeps you, you know, that's about being fun, but yeah, you have to. And if you make it all about yourself, then you're going to be at the end of the day, you're going to be all alone, you know? Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because, uh, you know, in an environment that we were in, it was like, you know, you, somebody do like 200 deals and be like, well, how many did you do? I remember. <laughs> it's like, who cares, bro? Who gives a shit? Why are you even asking me that? Like, it's so silly. Right. Because right. it's like implied that like other people doing deals is not as good as if you do them yourself. Right. 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 So, that was um, the other piece too. I remember, I remember like the Keller Williams mindset was, um, and I, I still think this is a very, very, one of the most valuable mindsets for the company was like, would you rather have a bigger piece of something smaller or smaller piece of something big? Right. And even when we're, I just, we just hired a new um, ISA slash agent last week and I had a long conversation with her and I said, you know, a lot of times we bring people on to our team, they question commission splits and so forth and so on. And I said, you know what? I said, I'm on a team. I have splits just like you do. It's, I don't want to do it all myself. You know, it's just, it's completely true. It you know, is true. you try to do everything yourself, you're, you're only going to get so far. So, and you're not going to have a life because at the end of the day, like I want, I want what I've learned, like I want to have a good quality of life. I want to be able to like, spend time with my kids i want to take i mean i took five vacations in like the first four months of the year you know <laughs> yeah. it was great like i mean covid helped that like i took my kids skiing for two weeks i took my own trips for two weeks we went to mexico for a week like we had a lot of fun which to me was like without this business and the income and having systems and people in place i wouldn't be able to do that and i maybe because i never went on vacation with my parents as kids it was something like i wanted to do in return for them um, and I also knew that like we had an opportunity during COVID for to take advantage of that a little bit. So I did, yeah. you know, but if you like, I don't know, at the end of the day, like it's not, it's, I mean, some people I understand that they, they, they look at real estate as, you know, it's, it's fun to them. You know, it's, it's their golf, it's their skiing, it's their tennis, whatever the case may be. And, you know, and, and I do enjoy the business, but it's not, you know, at the end of the day, like I, my family and, you know, and the things that at the end of the day, you know, people aren't going to remember me for like the number of houses I sold, yeah. you know, and I remember you and I would talk about for many, many years and many, many calls, the number of days we have in our life. And you would be like, all right, well, the average man's got 14,000, whatever, how many yeah. it is. I'm probably pretty close, right? And you're yeah. like, all right, so now you've used uh, this of these, how many of these? So it's like, at this point in your life, like, how do you want to spend the rest of your life? How do you want to spend those days? You know, and I'd like to think that you know, every day is not easy, but just like what you're doing now, you want to live in, leave an impact on people's lives. You want to make a difference in them. And like I said, this business allows us to do that, you know? And yeah, you know, hey, we we get caught up in the day to day, the minutiae of things at times, you know, and the deals and the people and the nonsense and the chaos. But when you take a back, when you take a step back and you look at it all, it's like, okay, what what is this all about? You yeah. know, that's awesome, brother. I think people can certainly uh, benefit from that perspective. So, I guess my question to you is moving forward. So here you are, you're doing, you know. 200 plus 260 plus you'll probably do more than that this year. You'll probably make more than 3 million bucks this year, gross to the team. So like, what's the vision moving forward? Like what's Jeff Silva's life going to be like five years from now? Um, I mean, we're, we're, 
it's funny because my cousin called me up uh, a couple months ago. He's like, what do you want, dude? <laughs> and he's like, do you want to grow this thing or what? Because I do. And I said, I want to grow it. But I said, I don't want it to all fall on me. Just like that conversation that we were having a few minutes back. I said, so if we can find the right people and I'm all in, you know? Um, so we've, we found the right people. We're rebranding, we're growing, we're hiring, we're, we're doing things. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll easily be at 300 transactions this year. We're already, our volume's already probably at where it was last year. And we still got plenty of time left. Um, the next step is 500 transactions. And, but it's, it's, it's starting to come from a place where I don't, it's awesome. Cause I don't, I don't feel like it's all falling on me anymore. You know, I really don't, which is awesome. Cause I did for a long time. Cause I, and I, now I almost feel like, like I'm getting pulled by my operations person. Like, like, man, I got to step up my game. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, holy cow. But it's great. Cause I just have to be there to answer questions or review things or to look at things, you know? Um, but it's really just, we're, we're fortunate that we truly have a, an expansion business. Um, and the reason that we have that business is, you know, my team's in Pennsylvania. I live in New Jersey. Um, my sister now lives in New Jersey. Um, I've got people that are going, that live in, you know, it's kind of funny. Right from day one, my goal was to go from the suburbs to the shore, which is the beach of New Jersey. And it was kind of like this vision I had that was there. I spoke of it a little bit, but I kind of like, I don't know, like handcuff myself and said like, well, maybe, or I'll dabble in it and see how it goes. And it's kind of just organically happened, especially with me living here. Um, so we truly have created that. So just over time, it's really to, to have a stronger presence. We've already got all the people in place um, to make it happen. It's, it has been happening. And uh you know, I, I want to get there with, but I don't want to get there on my own. Like I said, and I have a lot of, it's all about finding the right people, man. It's just, it's just constantly looking on. And I remember being in these mastermind groups and talking with guys like Ben Kinney and Gary, Gary Keller would be like, you're, you're just one higher away from your next like leap. You're just one higher away. And now it's, it's funny. Cause like once you make that shift and once I've made that shift, like now the right people, and we've had this conversation a few years ago, once you're in alignment, <laughs> the people just show up. Yeah. <laughs> they really do. They're just all of a sudden there. It was like, okay, we need to hire like a marketing operations person. And it was like three days later, my cousin was like, I found him. I was like, what? And then like <clears throat> two weeks ago, I'm like, all right, this is the person that we need. And then all of a sudden one of the agents on our team is like, Hey, I got this girl. I want you guys to talk to her. Like, oh my gosh. Perfect. It was like, you put it out there to the universe. You kind of have a vision on what you're looking for. And then they just show up and then you don't fight it. You just go with it. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. You're like, when you know, it's right, you know, it's right. You know, we're no longer, we're not going to hire just to fill up put bodies in the room. Um, but I just, I say this all the time to every person we bring on the team. I want people to grow. I want people to be successful. I want them to have a life though. I want them to be able to take a day off. I want them to be able to spend time with their family and go on vacation. Yes. They're going to make some sacrifices at the beginning, but at the end of the day, that's where it's going to go. And then for me, as that this happens, that's what I'm trying to figure out where, where my next, you know, besides like, overseeing the, the financials and the operation and, you know, still doing some deals from time to time with people I know that it's just kind of fun, especially being at the beach, but the average sale price is much higher. Um, <clears throat> that's kind of cool. It's just really finding out what my next move is in terms yeah. of, and I don't know what that is yet. I'm trying to figure that out. You know, it's awesome, brother. Well, it's a great position to be in and I know you will figure it out. So again, I appreciate you greatly taking the time to be here with us. So if people want to connect with you, if they want to, I don't know, like, 
send you a referral? Like, where can they find you? Um, Jeff at soldbysilva.com. That's Jeff, J-E-F-F, at soldbysilva.com. Um, that's my email. Probably the best way. Our uh, website, uh, soldbysilva.com, silvergroup.org. And soon to be something different <laughs> as we're going through a branding process. Yeah. Um, so... But yeah, we love awesome. referrals. We uh, we close them and we get everybody paid, and we'll make we'll make you look good. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And and he certainly will. His team is awesome. He's an awesome dude, and uh, yeah. he's available. So. I couldn't I couldn't have done any of this without the people that are behind me. That's for sure. Damn sure. Yeah. <laughs> so awesome, brother. Well, listen, I appreciate you, man. I look forward to connecting soon, and uh, I'll talk to you then. Sounds great. Thanks, brother. My pleasure. Be great. Thank you so much for listening to the Aaron Novello podcast. Be sure to subscribe and follow Aaron on Instagram at Aaron Novello. Happy hunting.